The following sermon is from the Westminster Pulpit, extending the worship ministry of Westminster Presbyterian Church, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. We are a local congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America. Please contact us for permission before reproducing this message in any format. invite you now to turn in your Bible to John chapter 1. When God spoke in the beginning, speaking creation into existence, he spoke, the very first thing God spoke into existence was light. We find in the text of Genesis the spirit of God hovering over the dark waters to bring forth order and to fill the world with life. You and I depend upon light to see. We need light for energy. We also learn from Scripture that we depend upon the true light, that we might see the truth, the truth that sets us free from the shackles of darkness. You might recall from physics class that we are told that light behaves both like a particle and a wave. Though we can't fully understand how this happens in nature, Jesus is both fully God and fully man, who is sent by the Father on the great errand of history to redeem the world with truth and righteousness as we celebrate the advent of our, the Lord Jesus Christ, the true light of the world. Let's consider John's words in chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This is God's holy and inspired word. Father, we ask that you would shed light upon our minds and our hearts that we might behold wondrous things out of this portion of your word. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. On Halloween night many years ago, I was out trick-or-treating with my father and another friend and his father. I must have been six or seven years old. 
And from house to house we went, offering our obligatory trick-or-treats in order to receive our reward of chocolate or hard candies. But our, our delightful adventure was cut short when we came upon a dark stretch of street that was without street lights, and uh, my father let out a great yelp as he fell into a sewer that was missing the manhole cover. He managed to catch himself by his knee hitting the hard pavement of the street. He had stepped unawares into danger because of the lack of light. Well, my father managed to hobble his way back home a few blocks with the assistance of the other father. And uh, this injury required not just ice, but also eventually arthroscopic knee surgery to correct the damage inflicted by this fall. My father was unable to avoid this pitfall for lack of light. Light alerts us to the presence of danger. God sent the light into a dark world to warn us of coming danger, the final judgment upon all people. This light is not only a warning, but it also is the very means of our deliverance from the destruction to come. In his introduction of the gospel, John reveals Jesus as the true light. By way of revelation, righteousness, and a restored relationship with the living God. Revelation of Jesus Christ comes in a testimony of truth. The opening line, the opening verse of John's gospel, makes an unmistakable allusion to the Genesis creation account in Genesis chapter 1. And here and beyond, John refers to Jesus as the Word, the light, the life. And John offers his testimony. He testifies about this man, Jesus, with whom he walked, ate with, learned ministry from, and has the audacity to proclaim that this man was a member of the triune Godhead, through whom the world was created, in fact, the entire universe. Paul adds a few notes of his own to this theme in Colossians 1 when he establishes and proclaims that it's through Jesus that the entire universe is held together. God spoke light and life into his creation by means of the very second member of the Trinity, who is now sent to bring forth light and life for our redemption. John declares a great victory, how light has overcome the darkness as a summary statement to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. John's gospel is known for the various I am statements that Jesus makes concerning his identity. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. But here in verse 9, in a summary form, John refers to Jesus as the true light. 
We live in a world filled with artificial lights. We can meet for worship tonight by way of artificial lights. But there's another kind of artificial light that poses great danger. There is a kind of artificial light that, that, prom- that beckons people to come that are in a way of false hopes, false messiahs, offering political promises, offering a kind of religious zeal to find meaning and purpose and deliverance from judgment to come. People worship. People who worship false gods are walking in darkness on a pathway that leads to destruction. Jesus will say later in John chapter 8, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The truth, the truth of Jesus Christ counters the lies of the world. We hear them often. Images, everything. Have it your way. It's all about you. And all kinds of images that penetrate into our minds and hearts to misshape us and contort our sense of personhood and identity and the way of true redemption and hope. Such lies leave us in bondage, and it's the light and truth of Jesus Christ that sets us free, that breaks the shackles of sin, darkness, and falsehood. John will record in chapter 8, verse 31, when Jesus speaks to his fellow Israelites, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We need the light of the truth to be set free from the bondage of darkness. Later on, when Jesus is on trial with Pilate, Pilate asks Jesus whether or not he is a king. Jesus confirms the the testimony that he is a king, but then he goes on to clarify, for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Jesus is the great witness. He is the great spotlight that shines upon this dark world of confusion and mystery to bring clarity and focus and direction to a people who need a guide and deliverance from this dark world. Friend, do you have ears to hear the truth teller? And are you drawn to the true light to find freedom in life? During my summers growing up as a child, we, my family would often spend a week up at a lake house about 60 miles north of Houston. And there, well beyond the city lights, we could behold the glorious spectacle of the constellations as they crossed over this great, vast lake at night. And I would spend time in the evenings watching the stars. And on at least one occasion... I beheld a glorious splendor of a meteor shower with literally dozens of meteorites burning up across the Earth's hemisphere. A beautiful spectacle of natural fireworks. But but as soon as I would leave the beauty of the lake and walk back to the house, I noticed the same thing that Pastor Rogers mentioned in his message this morning. 
that the lights around the house would draw bugs. But to turn on that, uh, that analogy, to help keep the bugs away, we would hold up the famous bug zapper. And that bug zapper would draw bugs to their doom as it was drawn to the light, and occasionally a really large bug would go, mm, and just... And we enjoyed that. <laughs> but what a telling image in contrast of true light versus the false lights. There are false lights in this world that draw people to their very doom. A promised life and freedom. A young girl to terminate her pregnancy, to find freedom, only to leave her soul in bondage. The promise of unlimited credit to indulge and be glutted, but only to be weighed down in debt. False preachers offer a health and wealth gospel, failing to prepare his people for the realities of suffering in a fallen world. Technology and communication can give a kind of false illusion of intimacy and fellowship that are really mere artificial relationships. Our children are inundated with unending opportunities for advancement and experiences that often leave families under more stress. You're promised happier. You're promised to be made happier. To be more attractive if you will use certain products or services. Broad is the path that is lit with artificial lights that leads to destruction. And along that path are various signs promising ease and comfort, security, Indulging in one's desires, offering God's peace without repentance, with a siren call of instant gratification. In contrast to these messages, John the Apostle offers a testimony that is grounded in reality, that's rooted in suffering and sacrifice. John says at the end of this gospel that he bears witness to the fact that these things are true. John, a man who endured great suffering, and persecution, almost unto death by martyrdom. He testifies that Jesus is the light that reveals the truth, that exposes the darkness of our own covetous hearts, that convicts us of sin, but offers true reconciliation through the repentance of sins by leaving the pathway that leads to destruction and to walk the straight and narrow path by the light of God. The prophet Isaiah anticipates this very message in chapter 50 of his prophecy when he condemns those who walk by the light of their own fires, their own righteousness. Isaiah says they will lie down in torment. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the true light that leads to eternal life. The light of Christ is also spoken here in terms of righteousness with two options. You can either receive and reconcile with Christ or reject him and be cast into outer darkness. The Lord Jesus, by way of life and testimony, calls rebels 
to walk, to step out of darkness, to join him in the light. Jesus, in his life and his ministry, exposed people's misdeeds and sins. He exposes our need for another's righteousness. And Jesus goes after people, not only those who are guilty of shameful sins, of violence and theft and and outward rebellion against the living God, but also the self-righteous who would seek to reconcile themselves with God on their own terms, by their own performance. Verse 12 of John's text offers a kind of reconciliation with God, offers true reconciliation for those who receive Jesus Christ and believe upon his name. He'll say in chapter 3, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. The choice is clear. There are two paths. The way of darkness that leads to destruction, and the way of light that leads to eternal life. Eleven years ago, our daughter was born without the ability to see much light at all. She, in fact, we noticed this in the first few weeks of her life, how the one thing that truly stimulated her was the Christmas tree, in part because my wife uh, inundates the Christmas tree with lots of lights. It wasn't until a few weeks later that we learned from our doctor that our daughter was born with cataracts and could not see much of anything. And so she required surgery, which we, by God's grace, were able to have surgery to open up her eyes, to allow light to penetrate and reach her optic nerves to give her vision and sight. Finn, you and I need the same thing. Every single one of us need cataract surgery. We need the eyes of our hearts enlightened, as Paul says in Ephesians 1.18. We need that cataract removed, that we might see, respond, and believe in the gospel message. John says that you must be born again. Not of flesh or of Father's will, but born of God, born of the Spirit, as he will say again in chapter 3 of his gospel. Well, in contrast to those who receive the truth by the light of Jesus, there are those who reject the truth. It says here that though Jesus was in the world, and though he, it was through him that the world was made, those in the world did not receive him. Jesus came to his very own, but his own did not receive him. They did not even know him. Isaiah anticipates this as well with the suffering servant who was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. At the trial of Jesus, the crowds cry out for the guilty criminal Barabbas to be pardoned and released from Pontius Pilate and cry out for the sinless, innocent Jesus Christ to be crucified. People deny the truth. People in darkness hate the light. It hurts them. It's painful. It exposes their misdeeds in the dark. The unrighteous loathe the righteous. 
And so Jesus' very presence was intolerable to sinful man. But by that act of hostility, God brought forth redemption, the very thing we needed. A sinless Savior to die in our place, to be punished, to grant us a righteousness that you and I could never earn on our own. John goes on to say in chapter 3, the light has come into the world. And the people loved the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. Lovers of evil must be transformed to turn away from the love of sin towards the love of true righteousness. Jesus says concerning the Holy Spirit that when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. The coming of Jesus is a confirmation that judgment is coming. That the light is there for all those who would respond and believe and come and follow him. Paul the Apostle blindly, in his zeal, persecuted the church, confirming the death of the earliest Christians. But when he was confronted by the glorious appearing of Jesus Christ, he was made truly blind until he was told that he must follow Jesus Christ and become his spokesman and apostle. The apostle Paul was given the sight of faith and natural vision, that he might serve the Lord's purposes. Such are we, that each one of us need that kind of confrontation by the light of God revealed in Jesus Christ, that we might turn from the path of darkness and destruction and walk the path of light and righteousness. Recently, my wife received an ultrasound concerning the child that we're expecting in April. And we learned during the ultrasound that uh, the, uh, at 32 weeks, she could come back for another ultrasound in order to detect whether or not this unborn child is developing cataracts in the eyes. How amazing is that? That this technology can penetrate into the mysterious realm of the womb and detect heart defects, and defects in the eyes, to give the parents information that will help them concerning whether surgery must be scheduled upon the birth of the child. The ultrasound can reveal all kinds of information, the the gender of a child, possible problems that can be taken care of soon. And it's the doctor's job to tell the truth, to expose the truth through this powerful technology. Friends, you tonight have an opportunity to respond to what you are hearing. An opportunity to apply and put into action the things that you hear from God's Word. If you are in darkness, if you have yet to confess your sins and cry out to the living God, if you have yet to put your faith in Jesus Christ, I exhort you, be reconciled to God. There is no other way to flee from the coming wrath. There is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved through Jesus Christ alone. And for the Christian who has walked with God for 
many, many years. Do you allow God's Spirit to shine the spotlight of His holiness? Do you allow Him to gaze that spotlight through the, through the righteousness of Christ? To expose in you, to root out of you those secret desires, those pet sins that are displeasing to God. Are you willing to give over to Him the idols of comfort and luxury and ease and security? Will you allow the blazing glory of God's holiness to burn through the cataracts around your heart? to blast the self-righteousness, to undo the pride, to awaken in you a new humility and faith and repentance that it might rid you of the puny, elevated view of yourself and to put away your precious self-pity, to find a new identity, a new strength, a new purpose in Jesus Christ. For those of us who have been rescued from the kingdom of darkness, to walk in the light, we have the reward of a restored relationship with God by believing in his name and by being born of God. John says that those who would receive Jesus Christ and believe in his name will be given the rights of the children of God. The orphaned who is unwanted by the world and embraced by loving parents. Just like that orphan, you and I have been adopted and accepted by the living God, a God who is a father, who delights in his children and desires to give us the blessings and the privileges of the lawful sons and daughters of the living God. John will go on to say in his first epistle, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children. And what we will be has not yet been made known, but when he appears, we shall be made like him. For we shall see him as he is. This is the glorious vision. This is the great reward for those who will believe and respond to the message of Jesus Christ. Not just adopted, but born anew, made alive, new creatures in Christ have been received and welcomed by your heavenly Father. And John also has this to say in his first epistle. That this is the message we've heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. And if we say we have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. The light beckons you. It welcomes you. It urges you to come into the fellowship of God and his people to enjoy a great feast, a great company of the redeemed. On Thanksgiving Day, we welcomed a, a Chinese student who attends Lancaster Mennonite High School. 
and lives there on campus. And over the holidays, they line up these students with host families, and she brought her host family with her. And the host family actually was a young Chinese couple uh, who came to America six years ago for the husband to attend graduate school at University of North Carolina. They were not Christians at the time. But while at UNC, the wife found a group of women. And in her loneliness and in her brokenness, she heard the truth. That these women shed the light of truth on her hurting, broken life. And she walked into the light. She left the darkness. And as her husband saw a transformation in her life, he followed and came into the company of the saints as well. And we just rejoiced in our fellowship, meeting a new brother and sister in Christ over the Thanksgiving dinner table. A a little taste of heaven. The sweetness of fellowship. Testifying to the greatness of our God, who has redeemed us from the four corners of the earth. And here they dwell in Lancaster, and will live here for years to come until they must return to their homeland. To be a light and witness in a dark land. The Father is drawing people to himself. The Father is preparing for the judgment to come. He has sent light into the world to warn people of the coming danger. The people who have walked in darkness have seen the light, and those who believe upon Jesus as their only Savior will find deliverance on that day of judgment. The Father welcomes the prodigal home. The one who will no longer hide his misdeeds in the darkness and the muck of this life, but will humbly confess his or her sins. The father also invites the proud and the self-righteous who will finally humble himself and trust in Christ's righteousness alone and be reconciled to the father. Jesus entered into this world a vulnerable baby, to be the way, the truth, and the life, that we might flee the coming wrath and enter into the eternal kingdom of everlasting light. Back in October, the northeast coast received the rude awakening of Hurricane Sandy as millions plunged into darkness. The Jersey Shore and New York City especially were ill-prepared for the great storm surge that wrecked homes and businesses and brought a public transportation system to its knees. This storm exposed many vulnerabilities. It also gave occasion for much sin, as looters and thieves went about stealing things like generators, as impatient people began fights waiting in long lines at the gas stations. A cosmopolitan people found themselves living in a third-world condition. Hurricane Sandy, in every natural disaster, is a forewarning of the judgment to come. We live under the illusion of our security, our artificial lights, our limited but very vulnerable power supplies. They all can come crashing down in a moment. Where will you find peace? Where will you find security? Where will you find light in the darkness? 
The false lights are everywhere. Do not be drawn to them. This world is filled with lies. Do not believe them. But rather, allow the light of God's free grace bring forth in you new faith and fresh repentance. As we celebrate Advent, as we thank God for our material blessings, our health, and our loving families, may we rejoice even more. May you rejoice that your name is written in heaven. A world of love, a world of light, where the darkness will be snuffed out forever. Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending your Son, the light of the world, to deliver us from our darkness. We glorify and magnify his name, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.